Good morning on this Friday morning. Welcome to our devotional, Golden Nuggets, food for thought and for the imagination. If you joined us yesterday, we were in the book of Galatians in chapter 5. We're talking about the contrast between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. If you just consider those two things, the word uh, works that is used there in the New Testament comes from the word Aragon, which means energy, basically, to work, to use energy, to toil. Uh, by implication, it could be any act, deed, doing labor, uh, work in itself. Now, if you stop and think about that, those are things that expand the energy of the physical body, the mind, uh, and I guess if we could even say the the human spirit, but mostly when we're talking about works, we're talking about expanding energy to do something. But when we talk about fruit, we're talking about there is no struggle. Fruit hangs on a tree or on a vine, uh, basically just receiving the life sap of the of the of the vine or of the tree. And it grows, it grows, it grows. There's no struggling. There's no trying to develop uh, faith. There's no, it is simply living off the sap of the tree or the vine. And it's receiving the sunshine. It's receiving the water. It's receiving the nourishment uh, through the root system that is built into the vine or the tree. And it grows thereby. It just continues to grow. Now, the contrast can be seen in the book of Galatians as the Apostle Paul uh, defines or goes on to explain in chapter 5 and verse 16, 17, and 18. He says, This then, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Remember, no struggle. The life flow of the Spirit of God in us provides the necessary ingredients for the growth of that fruit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of man, but the fruit of the Spirit. That means he is involved in every facet in developing in us that which is called the fruit of the Spirit. By contrast, we saw that the works of the flesh, they all expand energy. They all uh, involve the doing of an act or of a deed. The works of the Spirit are not of such a nature. They are the fruit which involved believing trusting, leaning, being being in union with the vine or with the tree. So this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And as I've mentioned before, depending on who is teaching, who the scholars are, uh, or theologians, 
Some will say that this is talking about the Spirit of God. Some will say that it's talking about our human spirit. Well, because there are no capitalizations in the Greek language, uh, the translators will usually take it upon themselves to either give it a a, a capital S or a small S, uh, just depending on how they deal with the issue. But nonetheless... It does say spirit. If our spirit is guided by the spirit of God, then we're walking in the spirit. If we just simply say we're being guided by the spirit of God, that includes our mind, our soul, our body, our everything, then we're still being guided by the Holy Spirit. For the flesh lust is against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that if you cannot do the things you would, and of course in the book of Romans in chapter 7, Paul contrasted a life without Christ of trying to do the things that are right, but you can't because you don't have neither the ability. Uh, You may want to, but there is no ability to do it. So therefore, now that we are freed, we are freed by the Spirit of God, and He's called the Spirit of Life, and we are free to be able to live a life that is justified before God, just as if we had never sinned, just as if there is no condemnation, just as if we can stand before God because of what the blood and the sacrifice of Christ has done for us. So there's this contrary thing. And these things are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led, now he puts that little but in there. But if you be led, so we said in verse 16, walk in the Spirit. If you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now this is also important to remember because the Scripture teaches us that We have been made free from the dominion of sin. We have been freed from the control and its power which ruled over our lives. Now, it says in Romans, in chapter 8, in verse 12, 13, and 14, and 15, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. But if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So he identifies the flesh and the body here as one and the same. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. That means we have been made free. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, going back to what we were reading earlier, it said, according to what we were reading, if we are being led by the Spirit of God, 
then we overcome the works and the deeds of the flesh. Once again, Galatians 5.18, but if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. But if you be led by the Spirit of God, you are the sons of God. If you be led and walk in the Spirit, you're no longer under the dominion nor the control of the law. And we continue reading in Galatians in chapter 5. And we look at verse 24 and 25. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. So there is something that happens when a person comes to uh, the cross. And that is that control that sin had, that dominion, that power that had over us is broken. But if we continue to want to follow the desires of the unregenerated mind, the mind that has not been brought under the control and the submission of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, then our lives will revert back to living a life of sin, even though sin has no control over us, is because we have yielded not to the Spirit of God, but we have yielded to sin. Sin comes as a temptation, and one yields to it. But we're no longer under that dominion where we have to constantly live in sin and can do no good or walk in righteousness, or have the fruit of righteousness developing and growing in our lives because we lack the ability to overcome. With the power of the Holy Spirit, there is a supernatural power of overcoming the least to the greatest of the temptations that the enemy throws at us using the five senses of the body, using what the eye sees, using what the ear hears, using what the, uh, the nose smells, what the mouth tastes, what the hands or the touch of the body can feel, instead of those being brought under the subjection and submission of the devil as instruments of unrighteousness, they are yielded instead by the help of the Holy Spirit as instruments unto God. Now, Paul defines this and helps explain this to us in the book of Romans in chapter 6 when he starts off talking about we have, we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. See, it identifies the body of sin that it might be destroyed from henceforth, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. If I have been crucified with him, I am dead to sin. It says in verse 8 and 9 of chapter 6, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. And that's why when the resurrection comes, that we can be partakers of eternal life forever 
because death no longer has dominion over us. And not only death, but sin has no dominion over us. We have been freed from it. In verse number 10 and 11, it says, For in that he died unto sin once, but that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now here's the the clincher. Paul says, Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. The word reckon there simply means take an estimate, an inventory, conclude, esteem, uh, reason, uh, think on that you have died in Christ unto sin. He that uh, be dead indeed unto sin, but were alive unto God. Let not sin therefore, see, this is an act of our will, reign in your mortal bodies. Once again, talking about the flesh, talking about the body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. So when sin wants to come back, remember, it no longer has dominion over the believer. And when I say wants to come back, that means when temptation comes and the flesh wants to yield unto that, we can reckon, hey, the flesh is dead. That which is dead is dead. Therefore, it no longer has any desires of its own. It no longer has any lust of its own. It no longer has a mind of its own. It's now under the work and the control of the Holy Spirit. And this is outlined in Romans chapter 6. In verse 13, he said, Neither yield ye your members, that's an act of your will to yield, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now, Paul Paul, uh, uh, explains this so beautifully. He goes on to say in verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. There's that constant involvement that we're no longer under works, but we're under basically uh, uh, growing and developing the fruit of the Spirit of God in us. Then what? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Verse 17, but thank, but God be thanked that you were servants. Notice, were, past tense of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, you have become servants of righteousness. And I speak after the manner of men because of the weakness of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants unto uncleanness, this was in the past, and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members as servants unto righteousness, unto holiness. That which we could not do before, O wretched man, he says in chapter 7. 
who will deliver me from this body of sin. That which we cannot do now, now we are enabled to do because of the empowering life and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Consider this food for thought and for the imagination. The Lord richly bless you. Keep looking up. Our Redeemer and redemption draw near. Amen.